understand us. You bring a microphone for me. Well, looks like we're. <laughs> looks like we're shy one. Microphone. <laughs> You brought too, too many. Hello, my good friends, my patient friends, my indulgent friends, my friends who have not heard our voice for so long. They might not know that this is actually our second episode since we've been on pause. The intro was uh, a derivation of Once Upon a Time in the West. We should begin calling the soul of Detroit Once Upon a Time in Ferndale. Once upon a time in Ferndale, we recorded a podcast after a lengthy hiatus. And once upon a time, it may air on the World Wide Web. I hope by the time you've heard this that it has aired because my good friend and co-host Mark Fellhauer is is growing weary of waiting. And my good friend and... uh, and cross-dressing um, uh, combatant uh, Sean Windsor. Did you make the coffee, by the way? It's from Ann Arbor, so he just doesn't really Doesn't care. Jason Robards say that in Once Upon a Time <laughs> in the West? Somebody's walked across the desert, and that's what they want to drink. Well, he also Did tells the coffee? <laughs> he also no tells sense. Claudia Cardinal, you know, go get him some water because a man likes to see a beautiful woman. Or maybe it was the coffee, but he tells her, you know, because you know, it, 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 he's been shot, and he's right. dying, and he says... You know, sometimes a man just wants right. to see a beautiful woman. And that was Charles Bronson playing the harmonica, right? Or at yes. least the movie lets you think he's playing it. Yeah, his character was called Harmonica. So, well, but, yeah. uh, great, great movie. And it brings us to uh, where we are today, which is uh, hopefully, if you're hearing this, I guess we're out of limbo, right? Yeah, we're wandering in the, in the desert. I feel bad for giving you so much crap for not finishing the notes for episode one. Little did I know... It would take another two weeks till we could even post it. Yeah, the, the notes were not the problem. It was it was uh, signing some uh, some paperwork with my well, the notes uh, took a while too. My pre- you're, you're not off yeah. the hook with, with no, but the notes. I was worried that if I got the notes, everybody'd be like, "Okay, let's post." And I'm like, "No, no, I've got to finish my business with my previous employer." Oh, and wait a sec. So you're telling me that was planned? I was a little worried that people might be eager to hit the 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 send button. And by people, you mean me? I just mean, you know, like the royal we. What you, the royal we. Okay. Yeah, no. I, I think that was an excuse. But, but you know what? Then I gave up. for you. Then I gave up, and I sent the story notes, and, and my, my concern was, was ill-placed because how long has it been, and you still haven't posted it. <laughs> I haven't so, posted so, it. So I, I, I didn't have to worry about you jumping the gun. It's sitting uh, in the cloud waiting for permission. Uh, so here's what's happened since we recorded our last episode, which by now I think you probably heard. If not, please go check it out at... Uh, mlsolvedetroit.com or any uh, of our fine podcasting uh, hosting uh, services out there. Since we recorded that episode, uh, Michigan State ended their season with a victory. Um, I finally 
closed on uh, my purchase of a second rental property in East Lansing. And that would not have been possible without my good friends at Hall Financial. Because let me tell you how complicated that deal is. Have you ever tried to pull off a financial uh, transaction where you had to assure the lender that you would be able to pay back the money, even when you weren't sure you'd be getting a paycheck very long uh, much longer than that. It's not easy, but I'll tell you who made it happen. That would be my man, Dan Morrison, and his uh, trusted uh, colleague, Shannon, at Hall Financial. They made this deal happen, and uh, they can make your deal happen. This, this is, is the second one you had from them, right? Yeah, the first one was yeah. easy. Yeah. It just went right through Zoom. Yeah. You know, they were super fast. Hall Financial's fast. They were fast. This one... I can't tell you how many times, like, well, how would we do it if you kept working? How would we do it if you didn't keep working? How would we do it if we just used your wife's finances? How would we do it if you started cooking meth in the basement of the house you already own? <laughs> that was a real idea at one time. Uh, to their credit, Hall Financial said, probably very lucrative, but you don't need us. That would be mostly a cash deal. So we did not break bad. We broke, in fact, very good. And I encourage you to contact them because a lot of people might be feeling right now like, uh, did I miss the boat uh, on refinancing? Could I still save some money? The answer is no, you have not missed the boat. Rema- rates remain super low. And I just heard on the radio that they think the feds might have to dial them down a little bit more. Don't wait for that because it doesn't always have the effect that you think it's going to have on the market. This is the time to get in on it. Hall Financial takes special care of all of our podcast listeners here on the Red Shovel Network. You know that. We know that. David Hall gets things done. His team gets things done. Of their last 22 closings, 17 of them were ready to close in 10 days or less. Mine took a little longer. My fault. They have incredible turnaround times and immediate results. NMLS 1467435. Now, I'm tempted to say there's still some bowl games that you could bet on. Uh, Of course, uh, those bowl games may be uh, Michigan State returning to the college football playoff sometime in 2079 but just in case we get this posted maybe maybe this is a good time for you to place a bet for the world series i'm, I'm not sure we there's always something to bet on. yes we we think that we think that this show will be on the air before uh before wagering on sports is completely gone go to mybookie.ag use the promo code soul and they will match your initial deposit you put 100 bucks down they put 100 bucks down so now you got 200 bucks to play with never bet more than you can afford to lose but if you like to place a wager, maybe you want to do a little parlay. You like it to get a little complicated and have in, some... in game betting. That's always a fun. Oh, in, yeah, I see. That's that one. I'm not. I don't know if I have a fast enough Wi-Fi at my house. I'm still using the dial-up because it's very cheap. I'm going to toot my own horn. It worked out. Remember way back when when the Lions played the Packers in the last game and they were that up was back big? in uh, uh, zero aught one nine <laughs> and they were up big and I'm like this isn't going to last. So I got the Packers plus four and a half. And you did pretty well. Well, yeah, because you knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be that bad in that whole game. No, and, and the game meant something for Green Bay. And it I'm didn't trying mean... to beat the system, and as far as I'm concerned, I did. With the help of our friends at mybookie.ag, Mark is now so wealthy that he can swim afford it, to I'm waste his time producing podcasts that never make the yeah, air. Exactly. So, geez, if you're the if you're the idle rich or you aspire to be the idle rich, mybookie.ag Promo code SOUL. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookieAG is the best in the business. It's where we play, and it's where you should, too. So give them a shot. Tell them we sent you. It not only can make you rich beyond your wildest dreams, maybe, I don't know about that, but it will support the podcast. So uh, 
consider it if you lose a donation to the podcast because if you don't support them, they don't support us. And when we finally get this posted, we'd like to think it's worth listening to. Of course, we could be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot. This, so what? What? This what, what is the delay? Uh, as we speak, all the terms of the the uh, contract with Fox have been agreed upon by all the parties, and we're just waiting for everybody to sign it. And uh, as anxious, well, that as, shouldn't take very long. Uh, that's in theory. And that's the theory that it shouldn't take very long. But there's theory, and then there's practice. How many people have to sign this? I think me and I think them. Well, them, I mean, that could be five people or it could be one person. Uh, it's typically I, one person. Yeah, I think there's just one line, but having not received the actual final version, I, I can't say for sure. You think they would be more than happy to sign that? There was some eagerness for us to conclude our business once we decided to go in separate directions. So That's uh, kind of why I'm wondering why it's taking so long. Perhaps they realized just how much they <laughs> That's they, the hardest part, the, the goodbye. Every day I'm gone, the longing is in, intolerable. I mean, we've all had to sign walking away papers, right? Right, Sean? I've rolled papers. I don't know about signing papers. <laughs> that, that's but that's get, the only reason he knows what the dark side of the moon is. Uh, by the way, I do have a question. Oh, geez. Just a little curious here. Why is your hair gray and your goatee brown? Uh, just you, for men. Uh, are you when you dying your when goatee? You contact just for men. Use promo code um, Soul, S O L E, because we don't want to get too, you know. So is that dye? I mean, I know folks out there can't see, but uh, this is Walt Frazier. It's kind of a, it's kind of a light brown. It's a little bit, you know. There's a little hair there, which I guess is impressive. Uh, I gotta say, it's really weird though. But now that you're unemployed, because you got a hat on, you got a long sleeve t shirt. Usually, yeah, my Christmas hat. On. <laughs> usually, oh, you got it for Christmas. This one, my Christmas. Yeah, it's list. a lovely Michigan State hat and that beautiful color that the school's known for, bright yellow. Neon. Yeah, right. <laughs> neon green. It's neon something. But we're so used to seeing you in a suit or a tie, at least, or. Your work attire. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 we really don't want to get in the last time I bathed. So you uh, stopped dyeing your hair, I guess, since you <laughs> left Fox. Well, I'm trying to grow up my goatee because... Sean, I'm, he doesn't have to be on camera anymore. On the lost right. episode of uh, ML Soul of Detroit, which hopefully will be found by the time this post, uh, a certain uh, scribe who was very sensitive to the sufferings of, of college basketball players was very mean to me about my, my uh, inability to produce um, uh, facial hair. And so now I'm on a mission. Somebody was mean to you? Uh, they, they, I think they didn't. I think it was meant in, in, in uh, good naturedly, but okay. It, okay. It, it did. Every, every jibe has a little bit of truth in it. And so I am now committing myself to try and outdo Billy Gibbons. That's my pledge to you. Is that the ZZ Top? Oh, my God, that'll take forever. Yeah. It could God. take a while. Um, in, in fact, I think our, our we're first episode will post. for a young post. audience, aren't we? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Have you seen the kids today? They all look they like. All, they all love ZZ Top. Oh, they? oh yeah, I'm sure so, they do. So uh, for those of you who remember. Um, Legs wears very well into 2019. For those of you who remember Fun Magazine and Jerry Vile, who was like one of the greatest media impresarios in Detroit history, they used to do uh, the big fun page and all this great stuff. Well, they did a takeover of Metro Times several years ago. And they also did Orbit Magazine. Maybe people remember Orbit better. But they did a takeover. Uh, probably best known now for uh, Tarantino's character in Pulp Fiction wearing the yes, T-shirt. Yes, the Orbit T-shirt. Yeah. 
Well, um, my 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 man Rob St. Mary did a book on Orbi, looking back on Orbit and uh, Orbit Anthology, and it influenced a lot of us uh, who read it and went on to start our own newspapers and cause our own kinds of trouble. But when they took over the Metro Times, one of the funniest things in that whole thing was Jerry Vile's crew wrote that um, you know that there are hipsters around when it looks like a Civil War reenactment is breaking out. (laughs) Because they love those silly billy goat beards, which, you know, I've never kissed a man, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if I saw some guy that had some shit hanging from his face that might have yesterday's breakfast or whatever, or perhaps a woodchuck coming out of it, I'd be like, you know what, dude, I'm just going to move on. That's got to be the hardest thing about being a hipster is all the accessories. There's a lot of accessories, too. Uh, one of my like daughter's friends thought I was cool because I had one piercing. And these days, Wait. I feel really lame that I only have one ear pierced. I don't have a gauge in there. There's nothing going through my eyebrow. I don't have tats all over the place. At least not that you can see without invitation. Really? I have I have a I have a, a tattoo on my belly button with I, an arrow pointing down. It says free take one. Glasses or <laughs> an accessory? And by the way, I forgot you had an earring. Well, if you don't need them. Yeah, didn't we used to... Yeah, I used to make you edgy. Yeah, lame. back in the early days of the free, early two thousands of the free press. When yeah, it's you like were uh, you only have one piercing. Trying to get noticed, and you came in with your ear. Well, where's the piercing? Because it would be cool if it was in your scrotum. Uh, maybe not. I, would I it? Know. Would it really be that cool? What not if, to me? Are, ch- are chicks really into that? You know, Mark. No. One time, uh, Mike told not me that, that I'm aware of. He just randomly because he likes to talk about his backside. And how tight and smooth and <laughs> bouncy it is, I guess. You know, all that. He, he said it's so tight you could play jacks off of it. He told me this one time. Just in the newsroom randomly. And I said, doesn't the earring get in the way? And that's what I remember about it. <laughs> that's what I remember about the You know what I remember about that? The next day you came with a set of jacks. Oh, yeah. I right. went right to HR. Do you have any tattoos? No. Do you have any tattoos? No. I don't either. I mean, I, I have three chins. Yeah, does day. that count? He used just, to call me turkey neck, you know. Gobble, gobble. That, this is the kind of uh, so mature, sophisticated so banter like, that would happen. Did the back Free in Press the, not have an HR department? Back in his Pulitzer days. I, I remember <laughs> one time after a particularly uh, uh, appreciative column of uh, uh, Thomas Izzo saying that it looked like you had a little jizzo on your chin. But uh, <laughs> you know what? This is a family show. <laughs> it is. This may never post. I if you're hearing this, this is bootleg. I can't believe Call some, the authorities. He did say that. I can't believe some people would have a problem with the show. Call Tipper Gore. Don't let your children be exposed to this. Does the newsroom exist anymore at the paper? Do people gather? I mean, everything. every job can uh, pretty desks, much be done at home. They're, they're chairs. There are not too many people sitting in them, unfortunately. When was the, when was the last time you went into the, new, to the newsroom? A couple of weeks ago, I was down there. Does that make you sad, or do you kind of like the freedom uh, of it? it? It's bittersweet, for sure. Yeah. I When we first moved from, when, when was that, seven, eight years ago? I can't remember when we moved from the Fort Street location. Yeah. I was gone Lafayette, by I no, guess. no. It was it was less than eight years ago because I left before you guys left. Right. Well, I, did, I don't remember. What, it's been within I don't know seven, eight, six, seven years ago. Something. Whenever we when we first moved close to Campus Martius in the the building we're in now, it was packed. You know, it was a ha- half the size, maybe third of the size of the newsroom that we'd been in. And uh, but that was fine because the ratio was much more. Uh, suitable to energy and having buzz and, yeah. and all that. But even now, we've lost so many people in the last however many years that the newsroom's at least half empty again. It would be nice if you had at least one extra desk. Yeah, right. <laughs> for, for somebody that dyes his goatee. Is, it makes crass is, is comments in the newsroom. Saying? No, Mark, the it's uh, yeah, the newsroom it's, clown. You know, 
and people work remotely a lot more. The technology, I mean. so it's not job. it's not just that we've lost people. So uh, when I left uh, the Free Press the first time, I went to Channel Four. There was an HR department, and if you said stuff, even even good natured things, there was always sort of a oh, okay, be careful because somebody's going to send you down to you know, some sensitivity training, which I'm not saying is inappropriate, but people would say things that were fairly innocuous and it was always like, oh, they're going to send... Now I don't think they even have, you know, sensitivity. They, they've all been laid off. So I go to I go to uh, a, a local broadcast station across the street uh, known as uh, Local 4, and it's a much looser environment. It felt a lot more like a newsroom from the 70s or the 80s where anything goes. And I thought, wow, this is kind of fun to be in a wide open place like yeah. this. You know, it's got a lot of energy. It's kind of, you know, it's a free for all. Everybody's busting everybody's balls. Uh, and and shortly after I get there, we have sensitivity training. And we go down the hall and uh, it's in a big room. It's in like Studio C and everybody's and we have the and I'm just like, I'm like, I agree with everything that was said here. But I thought, oh, man, is is the TV station going to turn out to be as uptight as as the uh, as the newspaper, because I was kind of looking forward to having a more uh, wide open um, uh, milieu. And on the way back, so at the sensitivity train, the news director, who was kind of a wild man, gets up and uncharacteristically says, "These are really important things. We want you to take this to heart. This is really, you know, this is who we are. This is what we believe in." And uh, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, okay, well, then, you know, I mean, I agree with it too, but I don't want people to worry about everything they say like they did at the newspaper yeah so, right why care about anybody else That's well i point. care about other but if you say something like you know like you know you you kind of you know like what are you doing over here nancy i don't want somebody to say well you called sean windsor nancy so you must be a misogynist you wanted uh mark did you hear the word he used he wanted an open milieu yeah that just means he wants to be a white boy douchebag frat boy jerk just well, let me let me, it just means speak French. So hold on a second, you take me off the track. So we're coming back from the studio, and the investigations office was in this narrow hallway before you got the newsroom. And so we're sitting in there after the meeting, and, and Mark Santee is sitting there, and he always wore um, uh, kind of pointy Italian shoes. Very, very good-looking young guy, very sharp dresser. And the news director had just told us all, you know, we, we want everybody to feel comfortable. <laughs> we want everybody to feel valued. Sticks his head in the in the office before he got back to his office from the meeting, looks down at Santia's shoes and says, "Are those f-ing shoes?" Oh, and then goes God. on to his office. I'm like, "So much for the sensitivity training." I'm really torn about it because to me, sensitivity training, I feel like a lot of times it's a cover your ass for the company that is having it because some people are idiots, and I don't care how much training they're going to have. They're going to still be an idiot. However, we know now you're not supposed to use certain words. Right. And most people learn them. But I didn't go undergo any kind of sensitivity training to learn that. I think sometimes it's going to have a negative effect, almost to the point of resentment, that you have to go through it. Well, it's like laws are not for the law abiding. Nobody has to tell you not to shoot somebody in the face. The people you have to tell not to shoot somebody in the face are the criminals who are going to do it anyways. I don't know. I, I just feel, is it, has it gone too far not in the workplace i think it's not in the workplace okay i i, I don't think so i it's think just it's what a, i'd expect a sissy to say i don't think i think it's a good thing i mean that's who's setting the culture certainly not the government anymore right As, not now but the workplaces should the workplace i set, went through uh operations set the culture i'm not saying they should but they do it's what almost is their, de facto what, what is their motivation for it it's not to have 
more Big, woke employees. It's so no, they it's, don't get sued. No, it's not. It's for it's productivity. If you've got okay, I went through uh, I went through a training program six weeks ago. It was all online, and it was about. Um, did you learn anything from it? I, I yeah, to some degree did really? I did. Yeah, I did. There are things you kind of know in some ways, but just the way you talk to somebody. Um, it's, let's say you're a boss and you're Mark and you're white and you have five, six people under you and somebody's got to go to a conference that, you know, that you, I don't know, a training conference somewhere in New York city. And you send the guy, the white guy every year and you don't do it because he's not any better or he's better. You do it because you're, that's your comfort level or you've been on the golf course with him or whatever. That's what this was all about and trying to figure out how to look at things differently and, and understand language differently. And I, I don't, that's to me, companies are doing that because if you have happier people, you're going to have more productive people. That's really all it is. And is you, there a module in that training not to criticize people's facial hair? <laughs> they might want to add that. Really? You just used the word. Because it could hurt. It could, <laughs> and that's what you want to say to me. Well, it's Thomas J. Izzo, right? I may have just. This isn't a work environment. It may anyway, have just really. all, it may have all mean, just strung together. I may have misspoken. Yeah. No, but I. But I, 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 I really misspoken think that's and Sean was awoken. No, for sure. They Jackson, for sure, companies don't want to get sued. But I, I really think it's a, it's a bottom line. Corporations do very little without looking at their, their bottom line. Oh, I, I think corporations, uh, Uber being a recent example, are run by so many privileged white frat boys that the reason why they do do these things where you're not supposed to say this or not supposed to say that is strictly to cover their ass. Now, at the same time. Whatever it takes to make people be more respectful of other people, I want people to be respectful of each other. So if it's fear that motivates people to act in the right uh, manner, then fair enough. But I, I wish it, I wish it came motivator. from a purer spot. Yeah. Can't they just put up a sign that says, don't be an asshole? Can't people just stop being assholes to people? Uh, yeah, but, but, but people bring their own perspectives. And you, you leave the workplace and you go back to your little wherever you live. And your odds are you're not living with people that are that much different than you are and but when you go to work yeah but how do you get you're to, surrounded by people that are from different places to, different cultures how do you get to know those people though it's by hanging out with them in a freer environment so you can find out where the, how do you know where the boundaries are how do you know where the boundaries are yeah because i have friends that are certainly have minority friends that have different boundaries than i do you know that say way worse things well and they can say things that you could I, never say Exactly, I mean, and like, that's fair, and that's I can fine. make all the Irish jokes and all the jokes I want about well-endowed gentlemen because I happen to fit both demographics. And that's... And oh, I can't believe we're I back I slipped there that second first. one in. I don't know if anybody caught that. Well, no, because no one believed it. And I can't believe we're talking like this. This is supposed to be a... He's free. Can you tell that he's free? Except right. nobody will ever hear this. Yeah, right. Like, like I've never heard this kind of talk from him before. <laughs> I'm unbound. I am unbound. Although having said all this... I've heard many people defend Trump by saying that what he said uh, in many venues is what he'd heard in a locker room. And I've been in a lot of locker rooms, and I've never heard that that kind of stuff. No, of course not. And there is something about setting an example from the top level. And to your point about the bosses and learning about other people and their backgrounds, but for a lot of rank-and-file people... Well, I think a lot of people try and use things like that as an excuse. Like, And I'll give you an example. My, My good friend, and now a major... Uh, media executive Jim Schaefer, whenever he's going to say something a little shitty or a little edgy, he'll always preface it, 
uh, as Elric would say. And then he says something that's completely <laughs> outrageous. And I'm like, first of all, I don't think I would say that. And second of all, why are you dragging me into this? If you want to say something that's really... If he really... says it enough, though, it will sound like stuff you Yeah, say. but I'm just like, dude, if you want to get out there, get out there on your own. Don't drag me out. I have so much crap to answer for on my own. I don't, <laughs> I don't need all the Schaefer's malaprops becoming a part of my... Uh, my file? No, I don't have a, a problem with any of this at all. I mean, the, what the default language, the, what you're talking when you're talking about people getting resentful or pushing back, that's white guys. That's the the boys' club has been the default lingo and the way we communicate. And all of a sudden, after you know, after the '60s, starting in the '60s, women start coming in the workplace. It really doesn't really shift until the '80s, and then we're going from there. And then we get you know a lot more diversity in the workplace, and that's gonna have to it's going to cause white guys who are used to being able to say whatever they want to each other to have to rethink how to communicate and there's some that don't like it and to me that's it's really not any more complicated than that i'm i'm happy when white guys are a little nervous me too i think, I think more of these guys need to run i like a it scared. mark and i like it when you're nervous i've been nervous the way you're eyeballing my fantastic new goatee is that Boy, why you're really, looking away? I think you have designs on it. Is that it. why you're looking really away? did strike a nerve. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not that far away from being a major TV personality that I'm still not uncomfortable when people make eye contact with me. I prefer to be addressed as sir still. So I can't, and, uh, I don't, I shouldn't speak unless I'm asked to speak. <laughs> no, you can speak, but just don't. Don't, don't look think, at you. Just don't think we're on the same level. So okay? when I leave today, I need to back out Not of the room. Not that long ago, I was on TV. <laughs> not that long ago. That makes to... me really important. Whenever I leave a room from now on, I will not turn around. I will back out. You know, I pretend you're the queen. I, you kind of we, are the We queen. were doing good right up until that last part. Then I, then I felt a little disrespected. Have you been back to the station since? Uh, funny story. Uh, after I appeared on the uh, Drew and Mike podcast, um, you went deer hunting in the park. I lot. was planning to go. Which, uh, by the way, big numbers on your on that Facebook Live. People want to know what you have. You know what happened? Yeah, I know. It was it was it was like uh, people watching the the Hindenburg. Uh, <laughs> oh, the humanity! But um, I was planning to go right to the station to to clean out my office, as we had agreed I would be able to do. And uh, I got a text that said, "You know what? Don't bother coming. We're gonna, we're gonna hire movers and Wait, but you had agreed to uh, do clean out your office for I you. Agreed to go get it. It had been cleared. Yeah, and uh, boy, well, yeah, and so uh, not much so, real estate in that building. They needed that office. I'm not really sure what happened there, but uh, the movers did come and move my stuff, and I would say I was a little offended, but it was nice to have them pack everything up." And uh, when they did pack everything up, I kind of got over my, my hurt feelings. And um, I, well, I, think, I think, and I don't know for sure, that there may have been some, uh, there may have been some um, concern that a, a certain media publication uh, claimed that I left Fox too abruptly, which uh, it was not it's abrupt. Not true. It was you're not, being talked about, though. You're yeah. a celebrity. So I don't well, you you know. Well, you, you're looking at me again. Just, just keep those eyes down, oh, son. Sorry down uh, the queen the queen uh, does not abide but um just looking at your corset down there but so <laughs> it's a cod piece but anyway um don't get hit by the spikes but um in the end the movers came and they were super nice guys so i gave uh, one of them a soul of detroit t-shirt oh, cool. and i gave another one a uh, i want my ml soul uh 
of Detroit t-shirt. Uh, uh, I want my ML Soul of Detroit back t-shirt. And we posed for a photo, which we will post at mlsoulofdetroit.com. So, so, you, so you gave him something that cost you money. That's, so that's nice of you. Actually, no. Uh, uh, one of our, our, our fine uh, followers, Mr. Corey, yeah. provided the ML, uh, I want my ML Soul of Detroit t-shirts back. So, uh, so that one was gratis. The other t-shirt, you can get your own copy. Uh, from the Drew and Mike store, mm. along with uh, some other fine swag that we have there. Mm. You can also buy a copy of the Kwame Sutra, a Soul of Detroit t-shirt, and one of those sweet hockey jerseys that I was wearing for our FaceTime Live or Facebook Live on the Drew and Mike show. So go check it out. And, uh, you know, I really don't have any place to go because I am kind of unemployed, but Sean, Sean has got some place to go. So we are going to uh, transition now. Not transition as we say in Detroit, which usually means somebody's died. We're going to transition. I thought you were talking about another kind of transition. <laughs> well, this is uh, awkward now transition yeah. to our yeah. great debate. Okay. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. I have to declare a conflict of interest here because a good friend of mine has 50-yard line tickets at Ford Field, 35 rows up on the visitor's side, so he gets to sit behind the winning team. <laughs> and he asked me to help him get rid of some of these tickets this year, and I tried my best and was utterly unsuccessful to help him unload some of these primo Lions tickets. So I start our great debate uh, with a conflict because... I am one of those people who thinks one of the biggest problems with the Lions are the people who will buy those tickets, the fans. I do not think we should support this team anymore. Well, you're wrong. Why? And that's your great debate. Oh, Sean, you still got a few minutes left. What? what? I'm, no, you go support ahead. these go guys? Ahead. Go ahead, Mark. I do. I mean, them. call me a fool. Call me you know, fool. stupid. You're anything stupid. you want. but Anything I want. It's the team I grew up watching. I love them. Someday they're going to turn the corner. Someday. Someday. They will. Spoken as a true Wolverine fan. A lot of people like going to the game because it's entertainment. They're Beers going, are $14. They're going with their friends. They don't Get care. $9 they're, hamburgers. They're not cheap. Um, they like to tailgate with their okay, friends. I am cheap. So. <laughs> they like, it's, it's an event. If you have no expectation they're going to win, who cares anyway? And this idea that that's what's going to change the ownership is ludicrous. They make money the day the season starts because of the TV contract. That's true. And if you really like to celebrate first downs eight times over four hours, you will be thrilled. So let me ask you a, a somewhat serious question, Mike. I'm not going to call you ML, sorry. I thought, Michael, I thought we settled on sir. Okay, sir. <laughs> uh, by the way, did you bring two mini bell jars of like cayenne pepper in? To oh, those are just so always can... here. Yeah. yeah. This empty one? Is that to this, keep you awake? This is my soul. Okay. <laughs> this other empty one is your future. Is that is that Cayenne ghost. or Aleppo or Togarashi or Ghost? Ghost. Oh, yeah. Ghost. Nice. Yeah. They're all yours. You, you, you speak Pepper. Oh, a little bit. So let me ask you a question. <laughs> why Why do people go to sporting events? Why do people go to sporting events? Yeah. To a live sporting event. Why do you go? Because they want to. They want to see something exciting. They want to support. The team they want to see their team win. Huh. I'm I'm going to tell you this as somebody who has a partial season ticket uh, share in a Tigers and a Red Wings consortium. 
I love the team. I love the sport, but I don't go strictly because I want to see them win. How many Spartan games did you go to this year? Uh, and now it's time for room seven six oh not yeah I went to a lot of I would have been at the damn pinstripe bowl but I had to close on that uh, real estate deal. Um, but isn't that kind of the same thing? Well, the difference. The, see, this is where I separate from the Lions fans uh, on that. I feel connected to Michigan State because I went there. Fair enough. Yeah. Because my friends from all corners of the country will convene at least once a year to to go to that game, and we would not get together if we did not have this this reason, this, this extra added value excuse to get together. I live in Detroit. I love Detroit. I don't care about the lions. I don't feel a connection to the lions, but, but I feel shame. Thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Obviously hundreds of thousands, millions of people. I mean, there are 4 million people here plus the 20 million people that have lived here and moved to Arizona. There are, they grew up here. They feel, of course, they feel the connection. My brother who lives in Virginia now. Always makes it a point to come back once a year to go to a game because he loves the Lions. But it's just the, it's the act, it's the communal yeah. act. Maybe he of loves going the Fellhowers. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I mean, that's what it, for, it's like. It's like going to a movie to some degree, or ballet, or whatever. Hey. It's the, I mean, it's a communal act of sh- it's a shared experience, and you're going to watch professional football in this case, right? And you can make all the jokes you want about how it's not professional football, but but it, it I was is. I going to make some jokes about how it's like the ballet. Would, it, would it be a lot it. better if this team was worth a crap and we're good? Yeah, of course. Sure, of course it would. But yeah. if that's what you want to do, who cares? And and unlike I, just, the, I hate when the people demean the fans for going to the. I game. do too. Unlike Wings games or or especially Tigers games and Pistons games, uh, you know, there's so many of them. And we're not when they're not good, they struggle. The fans don't show up. Baseball, they do a little bit again because of the cult side, and the poetic, romantic experience of all that. You know, the white supremacy. Sorry, <laughs> that involved with baseball, but uh, damn, it got dark. I know, no, no, I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Darker than the Lions. I'm kidding, but no, with football, in all seriousness. It's it's eight games a year, yeah, and, and it, you you build there's a there's a momentum that goes from Monday to Sunday to get there, right? It's it's part it's part of the kind of the fabric of the fall in that way, and that's what it's about. And of course, you want them to win, but that's why people go. Yeah, I mean, I also they want to see the hits up close. They want to see the speed, the the, the misdirection, the pass, all different. the talent and skill that goes into it. Yeah, for sure. And they don't care about paying eight dollars for a beer. I think eight dollars would be for like a ten ounce beer. This is my this is my biggest problem with the Lions besides the fact that they blow. They should have the cheapest concessions in the league as a way to thank the fans for overpaying for parking, for tickets, for uh, souvenirs, for all that other rigmarole, and just say, what you a know, terrible business decision that would be. If you're going to come here, you should at least be well fed and a little buzzed because it's not going to affect anybody's decision to go to the game. Very few people. It affects mine. If Share people give very me, few people. You I've be been offered free tickets, and I've said, sorry, I can't do it. You and it's be a thankful. beautiful facility. Ford Field is one of the great, great stadiums. I'm sure they're thankful, but why should they only charge $2 for a beer? Because the way their team plays, you're going to drink 100 beers. You should be thankful that people go to the games of any sport, really. Because if people don't, there's no sport. There's no league. Forget TV. There's not. I mean, what, are they going to play in front of an empty stadium? It would be like a simulation. Maybe. They'll still make money on it. That's the other thing. Nobody's going to watch that if there's a field with nobody in the stands. Most of those tickets are sold. I know my buddy's trying to resell them. It's been tough. It's been tough. I don't know. Fans can do what they want to do. I agree. All right, well, fans, uh, go ahead, keep mocking them. You, you, know. you got a right to be a sucker someday. 
you know, somebody wants to work <laughs> on a car, collect magic cards, or yeah. roll doobies, or read Harry Potter. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, go Maybe. to a NASCAR event. Exactly. You do what you want to do. I think we know why Sean's in a hurry. He keeps bringing up marijuana. <laughs> I thought he was going back to the office. That slows you down. It's you all know. legal. No, I don't do that. <laughs> I thought you guys in Ann Arbor, that's, you I, put it on your cornflakes. I, I roll up ghost pepper. <laughs> ghost pepper. Well, there's your great debate. Fans, feel free to do what you want to do, even if it means you're a chump. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? This is the time of year. I mean, maybe it is by the time this post. Maybe it's a different time of year. When hangovers are a big part of our life, a big part of our culture. And to me, it's a part of our lives that we should want to eliminate. In fact, I have been dealing with vertigo, and vertigo is like being drunk, uh, but not being drunk. It's like having a hangover without having the great night the night before. Oh. And so I have nothing. I don't know who, who wants to have a hangover? Who wants to feel like this? Well, there's a museum in Croatia that will help you feel like you're hungover it is a hangover museum i believe it's the first one in the country more great contributions now that they're through civil wars and stuff from our friends in croatia that was the best museum they could come up with is one for hangovers well i'm thinking you know they have like they help you experience it yes you go there and you can simulate what it's like to have a hangover why would anyone want to do that that's awful especially when uh the hangover, the best part is uh, what you do to get the hangover. That's exactly. the fun part. Yeah. yeah. You don't get to experience that. Why do you want the bad part? I, I can't figure it out. I mean, this Croatia is a beautiful country. I think they're through with all the fighting. Do you, and what do, they, what do they do to simulate it? Do we know? I think you can put on goggles that make you feel like, you know, your head is swimming. Now, to me, I call that being awake. So that's kind of a drag. But I <laughs> can't really- imagine going out of my way to feel that way, let alone going out of my way at great expense to a fairly uh, not high on the tourist destination no, list no. placed. So, I mean, have we just run out of, like, cool things to have in museums? I don't... I'd rather have one for the Hangover movies. I mean, that well, would be a better one to go visit. There's some suspicion, it's been speculated that the Hangover movies were the inspiration for oh, no, this really? museum. Oh, no, really? even dumber then? So I guess uh, among the <laughs> exhibits are you get to have a tooth pulled, you get to uh, have a intimate of a encounter baby with a cross-dressing stripper, <laughs> you get to have a naked Korean man in your trunk, uh, Mike Tyson punches you in the face. I'm not sure. What else could you do at this? This is really... That's really interesting. They had that simulator. I, I, you ever see where Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving or Stad will have the drunk driving simulator? Yeah. Which I always thought was really, really weird uh, because I think some people would treat it as practice to say, oh, well, this isn't that hard. <laughs> Don't you think it's weird to have a drunk driving simulator? I think if it makes you understand how you're not at your full capabilities when you but, think you might be, it isn't does. that obvious? Isn't that obvious to people? I mean, that bad decision is made the night. You know, everybody knows, no, you're not supposed to. Well, Most ev- people prepare beforehand that, yeah. yeah, I need a ride or an Uber or something like that. It's kind of like the sensitivity training. It's like, what is this? Who, who are the morons that this stuff is for? Every time I merge onto the highway, I realize there are morons among us and they outnumber us. 
and I think I know where they're going on vacation. They're going to Croatia, <laughs> to the Hangover Museum. And that's why, Hangover Museum proprietors, you, Happy New Year, are our Geek of the Week. <laughs> Occasionally we hear from people who say, what's the deal with this Room 7609? It sounds like you're playing some music that isn't really new wave. It's got it's more rock and roll, it's more punk, it's more this, it's more that. Well, I could tell you why you're wrong, but this is only an hour-long show. But this week, rather than fight you, we're going to embrace you with a band that could not be more new wave. In fact, they were one of the progenitors of the new romantic movement, which is kind of the... You know, Adam Ant, who sort of looks like he's uh, 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 Napoleon Bonaparte with makeup. <laughs> uh, maybe he's like Chief Mohawk meets, uh, you know, some sort of Admiral Halsey or something like that. Well, welcome to Room 7609, where this week we check in with Visage and the greatest of their greatest hits, Fade to Grey. <laughs>
explore new ways than synthesizer, French lyrics, a kind of breathy tune that has a great dance beat but doesn't necessarily say anything. Uh, other than Fade to Grey. Yes, I, I, so you picked that up. So um, for those of you who weren't paying close attention, uh, the title of that track was uh, Fade to Gray. So Degray. the idea of Room 7609 is we pick bands that maybe you never heard of that are worth listening to, or we're trying to resurrect some hits from a band that, or maybe bring attention to something that should have been a hit but really never quite made it. This doesn't exactly fit because Visage, you probably didn't hear them and it's I've not a big loss. But Fade to Grey was a pretty significant hit for them. It did make the charts. But here's what I like about Visage and why I really wanted to talk about them this week because I kind of felt like we sort of faded to Grey for a few months there, but we're resurgent. (laughs) But this band has some of the greatest names in all of New Wave music. The lead singer was Steve Strange. The keyboard player was Dave Dave Formula. And the bass player was (laughs) Steve Barnacle. And they have an amazing genealogy. Besides the different... Oh, and I, I forgot one of the real leaders of the band was Midge Ur. So other than the crazy names, Steve Strange was in a band called The Moore's Murders. Now, The Moore's Murders inspired the first song that Stephen Patrick Morrissey and Johnny Marr wrote, Suffer Little Children, which was a B-side for the Smiths. So you have kind of an indirect link to the Smiths, perhaps the greatest new wave band of all time. The Moore's Murders. You know, I had never heard of that until I just watched, and I will say this, I'll tell anybody, one of the best documentaries, certainly the most um, captivating true crime documentary that's on Netflix right now called Don't F With Cats. What? It's uh, Yeah, write it down and watch it. It's, it's, if I you do get, have some time on my hand these days. <laughs> if you can get past the first 30 minutes which is pretty disturbing because it involves a guy who posted a video online killing a cat. Yikes. It turns into a really crazy international true crime story, and the Moore's murders comes up in the story. Terrible, terrible killings where this guy and this woman who was obsessed with him would lure children uh, to different places where they would kill them, the guy would sexually assault them, and they were buried yeah. in the moors, which is kind of like the countryside, the woods, unlike our countryside that's much older over there. I guess the Earth's all the same age, but anyways, the <laughs> topography, the geology, all that other stuff. They basically would bury them in kind of a very peaty area, so they didn't bury them very deep, and they eventually got caught. So the Smiths wrote Suffer Little Children, where they refer to these moors murders because they all happened just around the Manchester area where the Smiths were from around the same, the kids were all around the same age as Morrissey. And, uh, and it was kind of a, a moving song, but it became very controversial. Uh, note to bands, if you're going to start out uh, and you want to get attention, try not to do it by singing about something that makes people think you're trying to cash in on the deaths of uh, kids. Children, yeah, murders. Yeah, the, the Smiths overcame it. So Steve Strange, the lead singer of Visage, was also in David Bowie's Ashes to Ashes video, perhaps the greatest David Bowie song. And, of course, Bowie had some heavy-duty new wave chops. Um, Midge Ur, who was one of the big um, uh, leaders of Visage, declined an invitation to be the lead singer of the Sex Pistols. He went on to become 
uh, a key member of Ultravox, who will probably be playing at some point in Room 7609. And he wrote, Do They Know It's Christmas? And along with uh, Bob Geldof was an organizer of Live Aid, Live 8, and uh, another one of those big things they did. I can't remember what it was. But, but so a guy you never really heard of, but a major player. Huh. Um, one of the uh, guitar player, Jim McGock, ended up playing with Susie and the Banshees. And the original bass player, a guy named Barry Adamson, went on to play with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Oh, wow. So this is a band you kind of didn't really know about, but in a way you've crossed paths with them at some point. So uh, that's Visage, uh, Fade to Glory. Uh, welcome and honored guests. In fact, they're part, of our, they're part of our loyalty program here in Room 7609. I was watching a documentary, and you said Live Aid. It reminded me of, of this. Um, on Duran Duran, uh, Showtime, yes. it's called uh, There's Something You Should Know. And it's only an hour, and it's not, it doesn't go too deep. But um, they, got, they broke up and got back together for Live Aid, that big concert. And it was a total disaster because of the two main factions in the group. Duran Duran? Yeah, it's really what? fast. I never knew that there was that big of a battle within the band. So much so that... Um, one of the Taylors, I feel like they're all last name Taylor. None of them are related. None of them are, yeah, none of them are related. But John Three Taylor, guitarist John? Uh, or is John, that Andy? John Taylor is the bass, bass player. Okay. Andy's Andy the Taylor's one that guitar player. Still never got back with them. Yeah, um, no. He's, he's missing from the documentary. But my big takeaway, and I wanted your opinion on this, this might, this might cut you or you might agree. I think Duran Duran was a boy band. <laughs> what? No. I think they were a boy band in the fact that. Girls loved them, and it tended to be really young girls, and they played to women, and that's fair. But it seemed I, I they, that was the image I had of them early on. They were they were a boy band, I, just like I, the Beatles. I loved them too. That's okay. There's lots fact, of, a lot I of guys bought, like Backstreet Boys and In Sync. I mean, I, I think Timberlake's good. Duran Duran's first LP at Warehouse Records in Ann Arbor. Yeah, but with a bunch of girls. No. <laughs> That was just my day. It wasn't a knock. I just thought that they were kind of boy bandish, and they they appealed to that the way they dressed, the way they you know their videos. They, they were, were part of the new romantic movement too, with the the yes, blousy they talk shirts. About that. Yeah, the, uh, the uh, it's a good. It's a. Real, I don't want to be a pirate. It was a very <laughs> pirate shirts, <laughs> puffy shirt. It's, not, it's, not so much makeup, but the hair for sure. I thought Simon Lebon came across very excellent. He was like a really good guy. Actually, my wife wrote a story about him grabbing somebody by the something or other. All right, I take it all back. That's out in the, out, not in the documentary. That case is still pending. <laughs> he may be exonerated. All right, so he's not that good of a guy, but I was surprised at how likable he was in watching the documentary. Well, the, the difference between, I think, Duran Duran and a boy band, so I'm not going to concede that point, but the one thing I would say about them that is, is a huge distinction is they came together organically as opposed to being put together by... Well, even the most, Sex Pistols were put together by Malcolm McLaren, which right. is why Midger is like, yeah, I don't know what you're doing here. Most, he he most later Im- said he was wrong. He should have done it. Most but. importantly, and the best, the best anti-boy band defense for the Beatles or for Duran Duran is they all play their own instruments, and they were very good at it. That's yeah. the thing about Duran Duran is they seem to be really good musicians. Oh, John Taylor is like a yeah. virtuoso bass player. Andy Taylor, when he's not being a little biatch, is a hell of a guitar player. And uh, and this one's for you, Frank. They played, they were the heart of Power Station. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Frank because he's a big fan of Room 7609. He's also, even before this has broadcast, 
has taken op- advantage of the opportunity to donate to support oh, this wow. show by well, going to the great. donate button at mlsoulofdetroit.com. So please support our sponsors. You can also support us directly by making a donation because it turns out these days, I just went and checked my bank. It's just the, the checks from Fox stopped coming. So <laughs> We're supported by uh, listeners of, like you. Kind of a tough tough experience but you you saw another documentary the other day you were well, telling me showtime about. had him back to back and the other was on new order and i gotta tell you so duran duran is birmingham england very blue collar yes new order manchester very blue collar but really sort of the epicenter of uh of new wave music very little my problem with the band and, and we had peter hook on drew and mike and he was great he was excellent he has nothing to do with the band now because right. of the lead singer burn what's his name bernard sumner bernard Oh God! I this documentary is terrible because they don't want to talk about anything in the past. They hate Blue Monday. Yeah, they really aren't too keen on Joy Division in general or talking about Ian Curtis. They just wanted to talk about this thing they were putting out at the Manchester International Festival with a orchestra of synthesizers, and I'm just sitting there going, nobody cares about this. They want to hear about the old days, and yeah. I, when bands do that. You know, you got to know where you came from and why people like you, but they wouldn't play those songs. And I don't know, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way, especially after having Peter Hook on and what a fun guy he was. And he understands it that the rest of the band was just like, okay, I don't want anything to do with New Order anymore. Now, I had a brush with with Peter Hook at uh, St. Andrew's Hall a few years ago. I was up in the uh, in the rafters there. They have sort of it's like yep. it's an old gym, so you can get up there around the edges and and hang out. And I guess they call it the balcony. And I was right on the edge by the speakers, getting up close and and watching the band. And then I kind of slid from the edge to the middle um, of the uh, the balcony. And around that time, somebody threw a beer in the oh. in the crowd. And Peter Hook, who's intense. I mean, if you want to see a dude. If you want to see somebody really play an instrument, it, he this guy is completely into it. And the way he plays bass, he plays the melody. I mean, it's 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 a beautiful thing to say to see. And somebody threw this beer, and I think being a pretty decent guy, Peter Hook got pissed off that all these people got soaked because somebody threw a beer. Now, dick move. The only problem is he looked up and he was staring right at me, thinking that I had thrown the beer. And of course I didn't, not only because, you know, I wouldn't do that, but beers are eight bucks. I'm not going <laughs> to, yeah, so we've learned, yeah, I'm not going to waste a beer. So he's staring up at me and I'm staring right back. And my wife is like, he's, 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 and, and he did, he did, he was like, whoever's doing that, you know, I'm coming to get you mate and all this other crap. So I'm just sitting there staring back at him. And eventually he goes back to doing his thing. And I go back to just finishing my beer and, you should have held it up. I still have mine. Yeah, I may have finished it. But anyway, it was, uh, it was not me. So it was a very tense moment, and, uh, and he's really good about responding to people on Twitter. So the next day, because I'd had him respond to tweets before, <laughs> yeah. the next day I tweeted something like, uh, Hey, Peter, uh, great show at St. Andrews. You seem to be very agitated in the middle of the show. Can you talk a little bit about what happened? And he's like... Some boss did do a beer, and that's not on, mate, and all this other crap. And I just posted back, like, well, it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> At least he gives crap. I was though. asking for a friend. You know, how many musicians would even care enough? Oh, yeah. And and so one of the many things that, that bummed me out when we were on pause is that 
new, uh, Peter Hook and the light came back to St. Andrews, and I was hoping he's yeah. going to be in town and we can get him on and we can talk about stuff. And so hopefully next time he comes to town, because he still tours and he plays the old stuff. He plays New Order's albums in, in their entirety, and each tour he picks another album. But he put on the kind of encore that I haven't seen in years. I mean, he played six, eight songs, some hits, some other stuff. He played Joy Division songs? Yeah, he'll play yeah. some Joy Division. Um, and it was it was great. I mean, I'm used to the one encore, come back, or one song, then come back, play the hit, then leave. It was, I mean, this dude is still out there giving it heart and soul, and uh, wow. If only he could use the New Order name. You know what? He's he's creating his own New Order, <laughs> and uh, we are so grateful for it. And we're grateful for you. We're grateful for your patience. We are so sorry that it's been so hard to get back on track and to get these out, but we will get on a regular schedule. We encourage you to stick with us. We know you have, and we're grateful for that. Please support our advertisers, David Hall and Hall Financial and MyBookie.ag. Let Hall Financial know that you were sent here by ML Soul Detroit, MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code SOUL, S-O-U-L. Please uh, like us on Facebook and Twitter. Please subscribe to us so that when we do get a new episode up, it comes right into your phone, right to your computer, so you don't miss an episode. You can listen to all our back episodes. Maybe you've worked those over pretty good by now, but we will be back on a regular weekly basis. Thank you for sticking with us. And, of course, you can give us a rating, a five-star rating. People really appreciate that. We, we think that we have earned it. If not, we're working hard. Let us know how we're doing. You can write to us at mlsolvedetroit at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a message at 313-Butterfield-89070. That's 313-288-9070. And uh, I guess I just want to say thanks. And hopefully it won't be too long before you hear us again. And we're going to have some really cool events where you can come out and see us. We had a great time on the Pedal Pubs. And I talked to a buddy of mine who is one of the owners of the Cadu Cafe on the east side, and we are working out a feather bowling night for listeners so people can come out, do some feather bowling, drink some beer. Maybe uh, we'll put Sean Windsor in a dunk tank, but (laughs) we won't tell him it won't have water. It'll have, like, nails or something, so don't. Don't tell him. We'll see if he really listens to the podcast. If we did this to Mazaway, he'd have no idea. What no, we're not at all. Well, would, someone would tell he'd him. He'd be impaled. Someone would narc on us. No one will narc on It'd us. It'd be horrible. So uh, thanks, folks, for listening. You've been listening to ML Soul of Detroit on the Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I hear strange sounds up in the ground. Sounds? Like what? Like that. Investigates. Even podcast too.